This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. What a privilege to be with you guys this morning. What a, an amazing journey it has been these last, it's actually been eight weeks. Tomorrow it will be eight weeks that we've been here. It's felt like we've been here forever. Amen. So I said to Andre the other day, I said, look, we either got to go now or we must stay here. But this, this in-between can't go on for long <laughs> because we, we're really excited, but we also so love it. And I really sense God has knitted our hearts together with you guys that we can partner to see God's kingdom come in the Eastern Cape. Amen. I was born in the Eastern Cape, so I love the Eastern Cape, the best place. Amen. And I really want to encourage you and Japes, for you too, especially in this time, I really want to encourage you guys to use this moment. I just sense the Lord saying, don't let this moment pass by, this moment of brokenness, this moment of vulnerability. I remember we actually lost a lady in our church, a young lady. It was 2014, I think, 13 or 14. And there were a lot of questions as to, you know, we prayed, we fasted, and and she passed away. But I could tell you the healing that came after that and that, that moment of of just vulnerability, God did something special in our midst. And I really believe God is going to do something special in your, in your guys' hearts and, and just in the church as a whole. So I really want to encourage you, embrace this moment. Don't, don't just wish it away. And, and yes, God will heal, and I believe he's going to heal speedily. Because, you know, time doesn't heal. God heals. Amen. Jesus heals. Sometimes it does take time. Most of the time it takes time. But I really want to say Jesus is the healer, the comforter, and he's, he's, the, he's the one who restores. And he's done that in our lives in these last two months. God has brought such healing and restoration in our own hearts. And that's what I want to share with you this morning is about the goodness of God, the everlasting goodness of God. God gave me this word a while ago, and I was actually going to preach something else, and then I realized, whoa, this is the word for the season. Before Kim's passing, God showed me that, that this is the word for, for today. So I really want you to open your hearts and to enjoy the scriptures just being poured over your hearts, amen, by the Lord. As he, as he's, I'm going to share a lot of, on the Psalms or from the Psalms this morning, and I trust that the Psalms will, will encourage you and lift you up and build you up, amen. But the, quick, the big question often is, is God always good? Because even in the toughest times, we, especially in the toughest times, we, we, we tend to wonder, like, like is, is, is God really good even in this time? You know, I want, to, I want you to think about the worst times of your life. When there's sickness, when there's suffering, when there's, when there's just hell almost happening around you, then, then you, you are human to, to, to wonder, sure, but, but can God be good? Or, or if you're a guy yeah, and you get sick, any guys been sick at all? Then you wonder, like, you know, what's happening? And your wife is, is going crazy. Just like, like I've been sick this last week. I was bitten by a spider and went up to Bloemfontein on Monday night. And I started, or Monday afternoon, I started feeling this incredible pain in my body and fever and everything. And I was like, couldn't sleep Monday night. We'd had no pain pills in the house, nothing. My wife's not there. So no shoulder to cry on. I think, praise the Lord for her sake. Because, you know, when I marry people and I tell... The, the wife, you know, and she, she, she uh, says the vows like in sickness and in health. And then I said, you, do you know what you've just said? You know what happens when a guy gets sick, you know? So, so you're promising big stuff here, okay? 
But I mean, I'm wrestling with God. I can't sleep. I'm like in pain and, and I'm just wondering what's happening. And in these moments of, of suffering, one, one wonders, you know, now, can God really be good in this moment? And it's human. It's, 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 we're in a sinful world. We, we're born into this world where everything isn't perfect, far from it. But it doesn't change who God is. Amen. The Bible says clearly in Psalm 100 verse 5 that the Lord is always good. Can I have an amen? amen. So there's the answer to that question. Okay, thanks, Andre. I'll, I'll finish preaching. You know. The Lord is always good. So say to someone next to you, the Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind, and His faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. I'm going to say that again. The Lord is always good. This is not me. This is the Word of God saying this. He is always loving and kind, and His faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Psalm 119 Verse 68 says it so beautifully, you are good and do only good. Teach me your ways, Lord. Teach me your decrees. You see, God in himself is good. It's not about what he does or doesn't do. Before he's done anything, the Bible says he is good. Amen. But because he is good, he also does only good. Now, sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes this is like, whoa, no, how can this be? This is not my experience right now. But luckily, we don't base our faith on our experiences. We base our faith on what God says and who He is. So this morning, I want to share why it's so important for us to, for, to, to focus on the faithfulness of God, on the goodness of God. Why is it important for us not to forget the goodness of God? And, and many times we do that. We do forget the goodness of God and, and things happen and, and it, it doesn't look like God is good. And then we forget to focus on His goodness. And, and that's what happened to us this last while. Even in the ministry, one, one gets so tied up with doing things in your own strength that, that you, you, you just forget to be with God. You forget to, to just see His goodness, that He's always good. Because sometimes things don't work out like we planned. And then we have a choice. Either we keep focusing on the goodness of God or we forget. And what happens when we forget the goodness of God is the following. Just four things quickly. We stop giving Him glory for all He has done. And we sometimes take credit for, for ourselves when it's actually God that did it. And then we also become ungrateful. We forget to be thankful. The second thing is we stop being completely dependent upon Him. Our prayers start to become passive. In fact, sometimes we reach a point where we don't even pray anymore because we've sort of forgotten the goodness of God. Anyone being there in your life? Number three, we, we stop trusting Him in difficult times, and that's crucial. And what happens is then we just rely on our own strength completely, and we get into striving, and, and, and I tell you, the more flesh there is, the less of God. It's, it's a terrible place to be. Because we forget the goodness of God. And lastly, we become negative about the future. We lose hope. We lose our hope. But you see, this morning I want to say that if we truly experience the goodness of God, we'll stress less and we'll worry less. Who wants to worry and stress less over here? Uh, me, definitely. 
God has called us not to, not to survive and to struggle, but to really have joy. Amen. And to stress less and worry less. Why? Because he's got it all covered. So I want to I share a few things of, or before I get there, I just want to look at this, of what happened to Moses. Moses had a revelation of God's goodness. Moses asked in Exodus chapter 33 verse 19, Moses, you can read the whole chapter of Moses' encounter with the Lord and God takes him up and then he starts to speak to him and he says, I've called you to take these people out. I've called you, I'm going to be with you. My presence will go with you. And Moses says, please, Lord, don't take us anywhere if your presence don't, doesn't go with us. And then God, or Moses says to God, God, show me your glory. Moses has a hunger and a desire for so much of God. He says, God, show me your everything. Show me your fullness. And guess what God shows him? He doesn't show him his glory. He shows him his goodness. It says here, then God said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you. All my goodness. And I will proclaim the goodness of God is with you all the days of your life. And, and the name of the Lord is proclaimed wherever you go. Isn't that beautiful? And it's something God does. It's not something we have to do. It's something God does when we ask him. And then he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And I want to speak that over you guys in this time of mourning, in this time of loss. God wants to have compassion over your heart in this time. God has compassion. God has grace for the season. In every season there is grace. And we've experienced the grace of God like, like I haven't in a long time in this two months that I've been here. Because I know it was from God that we were supposed to be here. It's, like a, we, it's the time of our lives. Not just because we're resting, but because we're experiencing God. Amen. You know, I've, I've, I've taken a few holidays in my life, and it's not the same as this. This is like God. This is a God rest. It's not just a rest. Because there's grace for a specific season. Amen. There's grace for each of you in the season, whatever you're going through. And in the seasons to come, there'll be grace. There's, there'll be a season of harvest, season of abundance. There'll be grace for that season. There'll be compassion for a season where compassion is needed. Why? Because God will pass his goodness over you like he did for Moses. So, so Moses, God made, made all his goodness pass before. Say all his goodness. I don't know about you, but I want all God's goodness. Amen. But you need a revelation. Moses had a revelation. Moses encountered the Lord. And guess what happened? Moses walked down that mountain and his face was different. Not because of the glory of God, but because of the goodness of God. You see, you see, we're going to see the glory of God one day. Amen. We're going to see all God's glory and all his fullness. But for now, what God wants to show us is his goodness, just like he did to Moses. He had such an encounter and a revelation of God's goodness that his face shone because he saw it. Bill Johnson says so beautifully in his book, Hosting the presence of God, he says the following. He says, a revelation of God's goodness will change our countenance. Show for East London, I want to say there's, there's a changing of a countenance in this time. God's goodness is going to, be sh going to shine upon you in this time. In the midst of pain, in the midst of challenge, in the midst of even the good times, God's countenance will shine upon you. I'll speak that over you. 
Because God wants to change the face of his church once again through a revelation of his goodness. So Bill carries on and he says he longs to raise up a people who will not just carry the good news in the form of words. He longs to raise up people who carry the good news in power, which is a person. It's when we encounter God himself. And then he finishes and he says it's all about his presence. So how do we experience his goodness? How have, and, and even for us, how have we as a family experienced God, God's goodness in this time? So I want to share a few things, five things which, which, I've, which I've experienced in these last two months. Our, our families experienced this in the last two months of God's goodness. Now, there's much to preach about. When you have to preach about the goodness of God, you've got to make sure you, you choose a few scriptures. Because otherwise we'll keep you guys busy for five weeks, ten weeks, I don't know. There's so much in the Bible about the goodness of God. So I'm not going to uncover everything this morning, but, but just a few things to encourage you to seek and pursue and see the goodness of God in your life. Amen. So number one, Genesis 1 verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. Say very good. The first time the word good is used in the Bible is actually in Genesis chapter 1 verse 4 where God said, let there be light. And he saw that there was light. He saw that the light was good. And in those five days, he created amazing stuff. And at the end of each day, he says, and God saw that it was good. But then at the end of the sixth day, he finished his creation. He completed what he had set out to do. And guess what he said? He said, he saw that it was very good. See, God is very good, so therefore he creates something that's very good. Something cannot be created very good if it's not from someone who is very good. The creation was very good. Why? Because God is very good. And creation can be experienced by all of us. We can see creation. I want to encourage you to go out in nature if you haven't been for a while. You guys live in the most amazing place. There's not many places like this. Get out there and see that, you know, when I was driving up to Bloemfontein on Monday with my friends, I was like, hey, now I see a sea, but not of water anymore. It's like, <laughs> so pray for the free status. <laughs> but wherever you are in nature, you'll experience something amazing. Amen. Something of God, something of creation. Romans 1 says that, that God's invisible attributes can be clearly seen by everyone so that no one has an excuse. Not one person has an excuse, actually. And that's scary for people who don't believe that there is a God. Because we can see God's goodness. We can see His creation. We can see that, that invisible attributes of just His, His amazing beauty and His goodness. You look at the waves crashing. You know, we, we ride on the sea there in Ganubia, and it's just beautiful when spring tide comes, and those waves are just massive. And the kids are like, check that wave, check that. And it's like, boom, you know, this wave. It's just powerful. And you see God's goodness in creation. You see God's goodness around you. So here's one picture. We had a privilege yesterday of going to a place called the Matola Private Game Reserve. I don't know if you've been there, but what a beautiful place. They're building a wedding venue there. So maybe some, some of you, you know, go check out that, that venue to, if you need to get married. You need to look for a venue. It's just an hour away. But, but I mean, that picture, yo, it looks amazing there. On the big screen, it looks awesome. 
But I mean, that picture doesn't do justice to how beautiful it is when you're there and you experience this massive valley and this awesome cliffs and just beautiful creation. Because God is good. You can see God's goodness in all of this. Here's another picture now. Now, the boy in that picture is a miracle. You can, you, that's a story for another day. He's actually a failed miscarriage, my third son, Nathan. Because God raised him from the dead inside of his mom. He was supposed, he, the doctor said, he's just get the scrape done, he's going to die. We prayed and God raised him from the dead. But that, give God praise for that, amen. So he's a miracle, but look at the miracle behind him. Ganubi River, just on this awesome rock, and it's like really steep down there, but you can just get an awesome view of the river and just the beauty. So sometimes we need to get out and just see God's goodness in creation, amen, because his goodness is available. In fact, Psalm 145 verse 9 to 10 says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. See, the Lord is not only good to good people, the Lord is good to everyone, amen. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. Rick Warren says it so beautifully, God's goodness to you is not based on your goodness, but on His goodness. Hectic, eh? Because sometimes we think, hey, God, you're good to me because, you know, I'm so good. I tick the box. I've done all the right stuff. But God's goodness is for everyone. God reigns on the righteous and on the unrighteous. God's breath of fresh air is available to everyone. Whether we know Him or not, whether we follow Him or not, God is good. So I want to say, first of all, God's goodness can be seen in creation. I want you to take time, even in this next week or this while, just get out and see how good God is. Then secondly, God is good in relationship. You see, the first one, you don't even have to know God, and you can still experience His goodness. But this one gets even more special. Why? Because we can experience God's goodness in in an intimate relationship with Him. Listen to what Psalm 34 verse 8 says. Oh, taste and see. Isn't that amazing? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, God is saying He's not, he's not just into knowing. It's not, it's not just an, a knowing. It's an experience. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. It's a, it's a personal relationship. God is calling people into a personal relationship with Him. David understood that because he had that revelation of just having a relationship with God. That's what the Psalms are mostly about. In the ups and the downs, we can know God. You see, taste is amazing. Of the five senses, taste is the most intimate. It's the closest to all of, all of the senses that we can really experience. You know, you can touch something, but you can still be a little way from the thing. You can hear something. You can be far from something. You can even see something and be far from it. You can smell some smelly smells, you know, and you can be pretty far from the smell and still smell it. But with taste, it's right in your mouth. It's, it's so close to you. It's so, it's so close that, that it, it's intimate. It's, it's like you can't get closer in a way. And God says, I want you to taste me. Amen. So think of that taste that you love the most. Think of the, the best food. You know, for me, it's like meat. You know, steak is good. 
I've tried salad and vegetables. They don't quite cut it, you know. <laughs> Sinful man that I am. <laughs> or pizza or ice cream or sweets. But you taste something and you realize, whoa, this is a beautiful sense God has given us. Now some people are really hungry because your lunch is like waiting for you now. <laughs> but think of that taste. Think of how, how amazing it is to taste something and think of God is saying, you know what, I want you to taste me. I want you to taste and see that God is good. It's an experience. It's more than just knowledge. And God wants us to experience his goodness in that personal relationship with him. He wants us to trust him in everything. And then the promise is that we will be blessed if we trust him in everything. Yesterday I was walking that, but I felt like I was like Adam and Eve in the cool of the morning and just had an encounter with the Lord where it felt like I was like Adam and Eve right at the beginning, just walking in the beautiful God and just experiencing God. And I just realized in my life so many times I want to do stuff for God instead of just being with God. And God wants us to be human beings and not human doings. Amen wants to be with us. And, and that's the, one of the greatest revelations I've experienced this last while. It's just to be with God. And the doing will flow. The fruit will flow. And we know all these things, but then we tend to, we tend to not trust God fully anymore. You know? We tend to trust ourselves too much. And we cannot be trusted as people. Only God can be fully trusted. Amen. Because we are human beings. We're not human doings. And when I was walking there, I just realized God just wants to be with us. Amen. He loves it when we be with Him. He loves it when we just have relationship with Him. And that's why rest is so important. We need to slow down sometimes and just be with God and not, you know, do a lot of stuff for Him. Because His goodness can be experienced in relationship. Amen. Personal relationship. David says in Psalm 27, he says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have fainted. I would have lost hope. I would have despaired. In fact, I might as well just die unless I truly believe that I'm going to see God's goodness. And then he goes on and says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I want to tell each one of us, me included, we need to wait upon the Lord. We need to trust him. We need to be there when he's present with us. You see, it's only a faith-based relation, only a faith-based connection that, God, that pleases God. It's, it's a faith-based relationship. It's not a head knowledge relationship. It's by faith, truly experiencing God. And this scripture is so, is so profound because it talks about hope. It talks about if we, if we lose hope, there's a reason why, because we've missed the goodness of God. But we can have hope, why? Because of the goodness of God. Hope is based on the goodness of God. We can have hope because God is good, Amen. Hope is, is anticipating, hope is expecting the goodness of God. And David emphasizes the importance of truly knowing God's goodness and his love by experience, by relationship. Maybe there's some of you here this morning, you haven't experienced him personally, you know about him and you, 
is something up there and out there. And the Lord wants to call you close this morning. The Lord wants you to experience Him intimately. There was a quote that I was sent this week, and it went like this. I asked my teacher, which is more important, the journey or the destination? And the teacher replied, the company. Isn't that amazing? You know, the journey sometimes is, is the most important, but you know what? It's actually who are you on that journey with? And for me in my life, many times the destination has been the most important. You know, my wife knows when we travel, it's like, I just want to get there, you know. Don't even want to stop and just enjoy like, so she says, just, you know, let's just stop a few times. Like, I'm, when I drive, I want to get there. And the get there is the last thing. It's the third most important. The second most important is, is the journey. But you know what the most important is? It's the relationships. Who are you with on the journey? So who are you with on the journey? And is God number one? Is, is he truly with you? Because you can be have an amazing journey and you... You know what? You won't get to the right destination if God is not with you. You might think you're going to the right destination, but it's going to be scary. So even the journey can mean nothing if we're not with Jesus himself, with God himself. And the people that are around us, let's, let's treasure those close to us. Because like JP's experience, it's short. It might be shorter than... For others, but enjoy every moment. Treasure people, and, and I've experienced that in my life. Sometimes it's, we get so focused on the task, we forget about the people, and it's terrible. I had to repent of that. Sometimes we just miss our kids in the process, we miss our wife, we miss even the people close to us. Why? Because we're so focused, and it can be for God. And God says, What's important? God's goodness in relationship. Psalm 31 says, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. Isn't that beautiful? God has goodness stored up for each one of you. Tell someone next to you, stored up. And there's a never-ending store of goodness, amen. There's a storehouse of goodness for each one of you. If you fear God, and I believe you guys are here because you fear God, you wouldn't be here if you didn't fear God. Even though you were invited this morning, you were dragged here, you, you fear God. There's goodness stored up for each one of you, and he's already prepared goodness in advance. God is not taken by surprise by stuff that happens. He's, he's prepared goodness for each one of you. And, and, and it says you lavish it on those who come to you for protection. He lavishes on It's like a pouring out. It's like a, an abundance of rain. Amen. And then listen to this, you hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. You see, God is good by protecting us in his presence. From who? From the, the lies and the schemes and the wicked plans that the evil one has against us. So, so God's good in, in, in protecting us. And I, I remember driving from Stellenbosch to Grafrenet when I was a student Drove 750Ks many times on my own, and I would be tired. We'd, we'd write engineering test weeks for five days in a row. You'd write a test every day. So you were so tired at the end of that test week. Luckily, it was just before the holidays. Engineers are good planners. They make you write five tests, and then they say, okay, take a week's break. 
But you're so tired and you're driving, like, and, and at times I would fall asleep sometimes. Like, I would just doze off and I would, like, slap myself waking up, like, whoa, if I dozed off for a few more seconds, I'd be off the road. And I realized God's protection on my life. Many times it could have been a disaster if it wasn't for God intervening. Many of us have had near-death experiences where we realize if it wasn't for God now, if it wasn't for the angels coming and intervening, then that's the end. God's protection is over us, and God's, God's physical protection, but also spiritual protection from the lies of the enemy. From people even lying, and, and even in our own heads, we believe lies, we believe schemes, and God wants to protect us from that. God wants to protect us from doubts, fears, guilt, shame, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. He wants to prevent that happening in our lives. And when it happens, guess what? He, he roots it out. If we give it to him, he, he takes it away and he protects us from going that route again. The schemes and the accusing tongues that conspire against us. God's goodness in, in that protection. And guess what happens when we, when we experience God, God's goodness? This stuff is less and less of an issue. But the less we experience God's goodness, the more of the stuff happens, and it's like a, a spiral going down or going up, whichever spiral you're on. The less you experience of God's goodness, the more this thing will just make you spiral down and down. And Jesus wants to lift us up. He wants to take us on the upward spiral of more of his goodness, less of the stuff. More protection, more goodness. Amen. And we experienced it in this time. We experienced God just, just preventing us believing lies about ourselves. Because at one stage I really thought, I'm not good enough for ministry. I might as well just go back to engineering. And God said, well, I've called you. But you can believe so many lies and you can believe stupid stuff about just nothing. God wants to protect each one of us from this place of the schemes of the, of the evil one. And then... The other goodness we experienced in, in, in God's or from God's hand was that of provision. I want you to think about your provision up to now in your life. Think about it and thank God for your provision. Thank God just for the basics that you have now. A roof over your head, clothes to wear. I, I, I see there's no one naked here, so you've all got clothes to wear. So thank God for that. Thank God just for the basics. Thank God for food to eat, even though at times... It's bread and butter. It's still God's provision. Thank you for the little things because the Bible says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. First of all, for who he is, but also for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with what? With goodness. In other words, his provision is, is everlasting. His provision is just never ending. Why? Because he's got a storehouse full of it. God owns everything, and he's the provider. And I want to say, if he has provided for you up to now, guess what? He will provide for you all the time. And in these, in these two months, we have seen God done miracles in just in our, the, this move from, you know, we, we just thought, how is this possible, God, that we're going to move from Bloemfontein to East London and then to PE? You know, normally you just move to a place, you know. But the via is like there's a lot of logistics involved. But we knew it was God's plan. 
And we believed and we said, Lord, you must do this because, I don't know, we've got to move our kids now twice. We've got to get them into a school, yeah, and into schools in PE. It's like, whoa, God. We've got to, we've got to rent a house, yeah. We've got to buy a house in PE or whatever you want. But, Lord, we need, like, we need lots of stuff to happen, yeah. And I can tell you the stories of just how we, we, we got the house in PE. We bought a house at an incredible rate. We got the most amazing interest rate from APSA. We just... Yo, it's just been a, a miracle, just the owner selling that house and how we got the house, how we got extra provision in that, that, with that, that came with that house. I mean, we're still in awe. My wife is still doubting, is this the right house for us? And after other stuff happened, she's like, okay, now, now I'll believe. Now I'm a believer. <laughs> but the fact that we got to stay in Ganubi, we got to rent a house for the exact time that Henk and Marie's are going to be, we're going to be away in the villages in the Transcar. We got to stay in that house. The timing was just incredible. And Andre and Sonica's faith added to that. God could move because they, they believers, they believed. And within a week from when we realized this is going to happen, we phoned the schools and Ganubi got us in, all three kids in a week before the school start. And the kids are so happy. The kids are, are flourishing. And we're so happy, you know, we want to stay here. <laughs> but we know God has called us. But that's provision. That's abundant provision where you're like, this is not just a surviving period. This is a period of abundance. Because God is a God of abundance. He provides. And I want to say His timing is not always our timing. Just how the way that things worked out in our lives the last while has just been mind-blowing. God's timing is always perfect. We would have never orchestrated this. This is God. And I want to say for your life, God's timing is the best. Amen. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's a bit wacky. But guess what? God's ways are higher. God's ways are perfect. God's ways are the best. But He will provide. Psalm 23 verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Who wants goodness and mercy to follow you? Then just stay with God, even through the valley of the shadow of death. Stay with God. Have that relationship that David spoke about. And goodness and mercy. Colossians 1, 19-20 says the following, For it pleased the Father, that in Him, in Jesus Christ, all the fullness should dwell. Say, all the fullness. And that includes all God's goodness. All God's goodness is found in Jesus Christ, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. This is the gospel, friends. In Jesus Christ. God's plan is complete for His goodness to be available to mankind. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in Jesus Christ because He is perfect. He's the good, good Father. He came to show us the Father's heart. And in Romans 8 verse 28, an awesome scripture. Most of us know the scripture. Because it gives us hope, it gives us peace, it gives us confidence that God is going to make a beautiful story out of bad stuff. In Jesus Christ, I want you to know this, that in Jesus Christ, all things work together for good to those who love God. And to those who are called according to His purpose, that is 
Because of Jesus Christ, we can know him. Say all things. You know, I did an in-depth study of that word or those two words, all things. You know what I found they mean? All things. <laughs> Everything. Everything. In Chinese, you know, everything. All things work together for good. You see, God even makes the bad work out for good. God can do the impossible. God can take the worst of the worst and he will make it work for good. Why? Because he is good. And guess what, friends, this morning I want to say God's ultimate plan is verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Why does God work things out for the good? It's not about, don't stop at verse 28. Don't just quote verse 28. Because it's not about God working all things for the good. It's about this. The reason he works all things out for good is why? Because he wants to conform us to the image of his son. Isn't that brilliant? That he might be the firstborn among many, many brethren. That is why we come to church. That is why we follow Jesus, to become like him. That is why you guys are where you are. I hope it is your motive. To become like Jesus Christ. And to be conformed to his image. That is God's ultimate plan. God's everlasting goodness is completed when, guess what? All of us become like Jesus Christ. And then his goodness is spread to all the world. His ultimate plan is to make us into that image that he had right at the beginning where he said, sure, it is very good. I made Adam and Eve so good, so perfect before sin came in. And unfortunately, even creation was affected by the sin that Adam and Eve allowed into this world. And all of us are affected by it. All of us are yeah, and we're born into this world of, of sin but Jesus Christ came to restore that. He came to restore the place where God said it is very good. And that's his plan. That's God, God's goodness in Jesus Christ. So where are you this morning in this journey? And are you experiencing the goodness of God? Are you experiencing his incredible love and his mercy and his his everlasting goodness. The band can come forward so long. As we finish off this morning, how is God good to us? Five things in summary this morning again. Just let's take a look at these five things that I've mentioned, that I've experienced, that I will still experience, and I trust that you'll experience, and I trust that you'll you experience so much more of His goodness. Number one, His works are wonderful. How is God good to us? His works, His creation is so wonderful. Guess what? It allows us to worship Him. We just look at that and we just start to worship. And even an unbeliever has to look at creation at times and say, yo, this, this is not by chance. Even the most atheistic person has to have so much faith to deny that this is a designer behind all of this. Look at the stars. Just look outside. Look at His wonderful works Brings us to a place of worship. Look at, his, look at his love. Experience his love in your own life. His everlasting love. And guess what? We can know him personally. Because we, we, you know, we can run, try to run away from God. 
He's going to catch us, man. He's fast. He's good. His love will overtake us. So we can know him personally. His protection is so reassuring that we can just rest in him. Don't have to strive. We don't have to try and make our own plans. We can just rest in his protection. His provision is so sufficient that we can just be content in him. Because you know what? Being content is more about knowing him than knowing his stuff and all the stuff that he brings. And he, and he, brings, and he does amazing things and he provides amazing stuff. But, but let's be content with who he is and not just what he can do for us. And then ultimately, his plan in Christ is so perfect, we can surrender and become like him. God is the everlasting God, friends. And his goodness is everlasting. So I want us to to respond this morning. Because there's a, song, there's a verse in, in Romans 2 verse 4 that says that, you know what, God's goodness is the thing that leads us to repentance. It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. And in this context, he's talking about the Jews that have walked away. I mean, not the Jews, the unbelievers, the, the, the Gentiles. The, but it also talks about people that, that need to come back to God, that need to repent. And it says, do you not know that, that the goodness of God actually leads you to repentance? It's not his fear. It's not his wrath, his anger. It's not anything else. It's not the fear of hell. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Isn't that a, doesn't that say something about who God is? Yes, God is. It says, behold the goodness and the severity of God. God is, is a fearful God, as Andre so beautifully shared a, a couple of weeks ago. But it's the goodness first, amen. We need to see the goodness of God. And guess what? It will change us. It will make us change. Repentance is not a negative thing. Repentance is such a beautiful thing. Such a thing of freedom and of surrender. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.